Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Claire. And we're the Harvey Homestead. <laughs> and this is Matthias. Yeah. In today's episode, we'll be going over 10 questions. We each chose five, and we'll be going back and forth with the questions and answers. All right, well, I'll start off with my first question, if that's okay. Yep. My first question is, where were you born and raised? I was born in Sacramento, California. Raised between Roseville and Grass Valley. My years of childhood, teenage years. Um, yeah, in the foothills of California. In multiple different houses. Never one house that I could say this is my childhood home. What about you, Jesse? Well, I was born in Lewiston, Idaho. And then I was raised in St. Mary's, Idaho. All the way, basically, till I graduated high school. <laughs> you guys might hear Matthias in the background. He's our nine-month son um we have two sons but this one decided not to go to sleep so he want to be a part of the podcast my questions are not as introductory it's more just kind of like just gets into it because there's really more questions like for you it's fine okay is there anything you regret in our homesteading journey so far? I would say the biggest thing I regret is not jumping into it debt-free. Yeah. I feel like that's a big, big, big thing. Yeah. And you hear it a lot. You can watch any video. You're going you're gonna to say that. But the thing is, it takes time. And when you have debt, you don't have time. Yeah. You're too busy working off the debt. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like... Just homestead stuff takes time to develop. You know, chickens take a while before they get their eggs and all this stuff. And then you have to put money in. And when you have debt, you have to have money coming in, not out. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that... My biggest regret is not, like, working with what we have. Like, when we were just in, like, the suburbs, I tried, like, starting sourdough, for instance. But I didn't, like, give enough into it. And now, like, doing it with two kids, I think at the time we had no kids when I first started doing sourdough stuff. Yeah, we we didn't have any. Yeah, I think I was maybe pregnant. You were pregnant because it was oh, in yeah, the second house. Yeah, second house. Okay. So, now I'm starting with two kids. And, like, it's really not that hard. It's just, like, a commitment of remembering to go back to it and work with it and whatever. But, like, something as simple as that. Or, like, our garden. <laughs> the tomato plant was four feet tall. And we were like, oh, look how big our tomato plant is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So proud of it. But we didn't know. You got like one tomato. 
oh, we got one, and then at the end of the season, it did, like, the last push, and we got, like, three you, right before I had Jesse. You had three, but they were, like, half-grown. Yeah, and we just set them <laughs> on the counter and let them ripen. Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, our peppers did well. Yeah. Well, that was in North Carolina. Now we currently live in South Dakota, so it's a big weather change. Yeah, if we only would have utilized that weather, right? Yeah. You know, like, oh, we have two seasons? That would have been good. Yeah. All right. What's your question? So my second question is, you were homeschooled growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, How was that experience? I think that it was probably my favorite thing about growing up because... It was like we in homeschooling there's multiple different like ways you can do it and you can do it with like lots of curriculum or you can do it with like little and we did lots of different ways and we were really able to do like so many different things like if I want to do art classes I have free time to go do like better art classes and take like choir classes that weren't just regular school choir um and for life experience I mean we got to like one of our extracurricular classes we did was we hatched chickens or chicks in an incubator and we did that two or three times through our local county 4-H and every time we had chickens hatch we would um have like a chicken hatching party and it was like the I can't even think of the word but every time we did we got Little Caesars pizza and we'd invite friends over and everyone would be there when the chickens hatched or chicks hatched but I would say that I definitely like maybe around like 11 or 12 I was like oh it'd be cool to go to school and I had the opportunity to check out my cousin's private school but I kind of chickened out because I was like "Eh, it really sounds boring to sit in a classroom for however many hours and like um, sorry to interrupt you but to kind of feed off one thing is like me growing up I went to public school and one thing I want one reason I wanted to go to I wanted to get homeschooled and not go to a public school is because I got things really quick and so I spent most of my time zoning off like zoning out just not in class and waste I feel like I wasted half my day yeah. and I just wish I could just wake up early get my school done and then I can go make money yeah. instead of sitting in school or you know training for the sport that I was in I just didn't like wasting my time in school. That's what I feel like I did. Yeah, I I definitely had the opportunity to do, like, outside of school, quote-unquote, hours. I did, like, sewing classes and different things. But, like, during school hours when my peers would be in school, I got to work on my sewing and did, like, more than they got to do and made other things because... I was done with my school in two hours or hour and a half or, you know, 
however long it was that day. Yeah. So. And we um we plan on homeschooling our sons. Yeah. Or and other kids that we have. Yeah, I think it's important for families if possible or if that's on your heart to think about homeschooling, especially with the way the world is going. Yeah. Definitely. Especially if you wanna know where your kids are being taught. Yeah. And by the way, these questions, we don't know what the question is. Yeah, we're just asking. Well, we wrote down the like, questions, but <laughs> like Claire doesn't know what I wrote down to ask her. Yeah. She doesn't know. And I don't know what she wrote down to ask me. Yeah. So what are you most excited for to bring bring on to the homestead? Next. Oh gosh. I'm probably most excited. I'd say just to get some Premier One fencing. So that I can just raise the animals how I want to. And just like have the proper equipment. Because this year we did meat chickens. and <laughs> I made a, a chicken tractor. It did its job. It just wasn't big enough. It, I didn't have the proper watering system. I kind of went cheap on it and it just made the whole experience not what I wanted. Learned my lesson and I'm ready for next year now. I'm excited. Yeah. What about you? I mean, it's seasonal and it's not necessarily like a new thing. But our garden was kind of just like get the garden up and going. So I'm really excited to just like perf not perfect, but just like have more of a plan this year and we have garlic planted that will harvest um in September of twenty twenty two and our garlic harvest this year was fine, we got garlic but I just didn't go in and take care of it soon enough, so the cloves are small. But I'm excited to get more of a plan for the garden and to be able to just like bring in new fruits and vegetables, strawberries, planting lots of strawberries for these boys. Especially in front of the house. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, the garden, garden beds, like flower beds, all the things that we are going to add and incorporate. So, my third question would be, um, your home birth experiences. Mm, what about them? Like, just, is there anything you would like to say about them? I mean, that way people know, like, a little bit of what we'll be talking about on our podcast and just kind yeah. of your experiences and... So, because we're a new podcast and we talk about everything, we had both of our boys at home and in two different states. Our first was North Carolina and our second was here in South Dakota where we currently reside. Our first born 
I wanted to have a home birth really bad, but we explored the birth center option first, and it sounded great because it was $25, and we knew a home birth would be about $2,500 with insurance covering it, which isn't bad in the grand scheme of things, but $25 was nice, and so until about probably 15 weeks along with Jesse, we were planning on having a birth center birth, but I think the whole time we both felt uneasy because it really was like kind of not that personal um, of an experience. It was not with one midwife. They had five that you would meet with, and it was also an hour and 20 minutes away from our house, maybe a little bit more. And that didn't sound very appealing to be driving there in labor. And so I searched for home birth midwives, but I didn't find any in our area. And so one day I got back on online and searched and found a midwife who served both our town and a town two and a half hours away. And we met up with her and being an experienced home brother, two home brothers, I don't know, I guess that's experienced, um, I think I would have had, like, some different things I would have done different, I love our midwife, and honestly, she, like, was right in between what they call a medwife and a midwife, um, which really just means that a midwife is a little bit more, which, which one are you talking about? Michelle. Michelle, our first, yeah, our first midwife. I, she was in between, like, being more medical and country, holistic. She was right in between, but she respected any decisions we wanted to make. And this was in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, that whole birth, like, now that I realize, because Jesse's home birth was 41 and a half hours of active labor, and I had started having prodromal labor at 46 weeks and some odd days um it was all due to wrong positioning and I've learned different a lot of different things now and I would have not done certain things and done things a lot different when um when having him if I could go back but that's the first time mom thing and we had him at home so I mean there's not much that I would change um and he's two now, so, I mean, we've had two years of learning, <laughs> and, and he's our oldest, obviously our firstborn. Yeah, yeah, so then <clears throat> we moved to California for a brief while after North Carolina, and that's where we conceived Matthias who we didn't know was Matthias until he was born. And we decided to get some prenatal care at a birth center there. And, well, until we knew where we were moving, because we had no idea where we were going to go to next. And then once we figured out South Dakota, we interviewed a home birth midwife here. And didn't 
click with her at all. So then we moved here with the knowledge that there was one midwife um, who was two hours away. And honestly just kind of trusted that she was going to have an opening. Otherwise, we were imploring a free birth. And so that was... That wasn't... We didn't, like, have anything set up with her until the end of um, November. And we got here the beginning of October. I don't know how far along it was at the end of November. But Matthias was... This baby was due the beginning of March. And so we knew we had to get things figured out. Either really hone in our skills of everything we need to know. Or find someone. Or fly a midwife out here just whatever we had to do so yeah we were gonna fly a couple people (laughs) yeah i know we were like oh well hey this is what we're thinking we have to do and then the midwife who we met with in california for a little bit she she had a quote that she well wasn't a quote it's what she said to me she said all you want is someone to clean up and make you tea you don't want anyone catching your baby you don't want anyone doing it for you to be honest like be honest with yourself that's all you want and then I realized well that is all I want so once the time came for Matthias to be coming we were remodeling our house at the time and it was supposed to be a lot sooner we were going to be out here but it came down literally to the night we moved in is when baby was ready to come. And I was in complete denial because um, our firstborn, Jesse, he was born nine days late, if you want to call it late. But he was born at 41 weeks in two days. And so I was having really strong contractions and cramps up just two days before this baby's due date and so I was in complete denial and our midwife I was also just getting over a cold and had like no voice so I couldn't really voice to people how I was feeling and all I wanted was to not have a baby and have no voice because it was terrible but it happened Hmm? but it happened yeah but it happened so our midwife was two hours away and basically she ended up not making the birth by 35 minutes and the fast was born almost on the toilet I was standing up and um, I got the birth that I wanted without not without having someone there but also someone showing up and making sure everything was good so Basically, um, yeah, I mean, we we can go into those yeah. first, and like we'll probably do an episode for each one of them. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. So if you want to hear those, just follow us. I guess follow us along. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll cut that off, but we. Had two home births and they both were great. And now 
don't want to give birth any other way or in any other place. Yeah. And so, if you guys have any questions and stuff about that also, you can message us on Instagram. Yeah. At the, at the Harvey Homestead. Underscore at the end, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> my next question. Actually, what is your favorite thing about home birth? My favorite thing? Yeah. Oh, that's easy. It's... So you're, you, when you give birth at home, you don't, you, you sleep in your bed after the baby's born. And then when the midwives, they come to you to do the checkups. Yeah. The first couple. The first couple checkups. So you don't, you don't leave your house. So your wife doesn't have to get up off the bed basically until she's ready because they will come to you. Yeah. Which is super nice. It kind of reminds me of like the, um, we watch the TV shows and the like older TV shows and the, they call the doctor when the person is sick and they come to their house. Yeah. kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah. But no, that's really nice. It's really convenient. It's nice for everyone too. Like, yeah. Just for everyone to be able to be like, okay, we don't have to leave and go anywhere unless we wanted to for some odd reason well and you don't want your kids going into a hospital yeah after they're born i mean there's no other <laughs> there's more like there's not a more gross place to be than yeah in a hospital yeah definitely um did i answer your question yeah um so my other question is you have recently been eating chrometabolic. I say recently, but it's been. It's been a bit actually. It's been a bit. Um, do you want to share, just kind of about that and yeah. kind of these questions are just kind of leading up to topics that we will make full episodes on. Yeah, um, so I really don't know when, but clearly, I mean, you recognize it's been a while. I think. Maybe six months, honestly, is when I discovered, like, the pro-metabolic lifestyle. And Corey and Fallon and Noelle, and it's led to more and more people. Um, I, we, as a family, really more of a couple, not a family, have gone through, like, different lifestyle and diet changes and trying to see what fits and works best. Um, especially because Jesse has both... Jesse and Jesse Jr. have some problems with, like, their guts. And so we've tried to figure out what it is. And we've done, like, keto. <laughs> and Jesse tried to go vegan for a little bit. We tried the GAPS diet. Um, I, f- I felt good. I did vegan. It was, it was like, a week. Yeah. Um, I felt good, but I just knew it wasn't sustainable. And it was just more... I like to cook and stuff. So... It was more of a, um, I felt more enjoyment in trying to make foods without meat mm-hmm. and just like meals without meat. Yeah. You liked the challenge of it. Yeah. So for me, like when we did keto and stuff, it was enjoyable and I loved the cream cheese on bacon. That was like one thing I found I liked and 
we had like these cheese taco things that we would about make. That. And yeah. Oh, those cheese tacos. Those are good. good. We still could make something yeah. like that. Yeah. No, definitely. It's just like So basically all it is is it's a you make a taco shell out of nothing but cheese, melted <laughs> cheese. And it's just like your regular hard taco, but the shell is cheese that you melt and then you you drape you melt it in like a circle, you drape it over like you hang like a, a wooden spoon and then you drape the circle of melted cheese and it mm. creates like a hard taco shell and then you put like meat and sour cream, you know, and all the fixings. You know, if you're me, more cheese. Yeah. So we enjoyed some of these foods for sure. But I just think, for me especially, I understood, like, it's not good for females and especially, like, nursing mothers and pregnant mothers to not have carbs and not have, like, glucose and good sources of those things. So, especially for our family, I was like, we, I want to figure out something to where we're nourishing our bodies and learning more and more about what what is good for us and what are whole food sources of vitamins and so with this there is no foods that we don't eat I mean I think that we don't have like a oh here's a cheat day or whatever anything like that it's more we eat what feels right and we we don't eat a lot of the same foods necessarily, but there's definitely staples that we have. Like, I was like to have orange juice, we like to have butter, and thankfully we have eggs and chickens. Yeah, good, good butter. Um, and we like to have like oysters and such on hand, and we're slowly just working on incorporating these things into our like life and understanding what we need to eat every every day and every week and really just understanding that our bodies need carbs fat and proteins and it's not that you can exclude one without eventually running into problems but it's been really um helpful just to look at the body as a whole because we look at the body in such a way for everything else in our lives and we understand that it's like a machine and you can't just take away one part and or one you can't take away the oil and expect it to just your vehicle to just run you know something will go wrong so we've just been understanding that there's a lot of different components and i think that you're enjoying it a lot more and the boys are enjoying it and it's just nice to have, like, food freedom, essentially. And I think the stress of a diet or whatever really puts stress onto your body as well. And so just focusing on what we feel good eating and what really gives us fuel and nourishment has been really, really good for us. Yeah, I like it because you just kind of listen to your body more with it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like... Oh, you can't eat that. It's more like, yeah, I need that. I can tell I need it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat that. And you can kind of 
we kind of eat the same food, but maybe different ratios of stuff. I feel like you eat more carbs than I do. Yeah. Which you're nursing and all that stuff, so it's not... So it's kind of common sense. Like, mm-hmm. of course you would. And it's just my body doesn't like that many carbs for some reason. Unless I'm working mm-hmm. or doing something, I just don't... I feel slow and yeah. I have to balance it out. I have to work up to eating carbs. It's also just been, like, interesting to see how our bodies have been, like... um taking to each season with this and there's like i've been focusing on really bringing the foods that are seasonal into our house and we don't get to enjoy foods that aren't in season as much and we're slowly working towards that more but i'm definitely excited for like watermelon in the summer and those kinds of foods again yeah i'd say we we agree like food wise I'd say when it comes to liquid, we have a disagreement. That's but a whole other episode. Yeah, we'll do an episode on that. And that will probably be pretty funny, honestly, because <laughs> we, we argue about it, but it's all in good nature. I mean, we're both laughing at each other. Like, yeah. we're like, no, that's no, that's not right. And we, we usually agree on everything. Well, we maybe not at first. We don't agree on everything. But when we talk about it, we usually find middle ground. And we kind of have with this, but we'll, we'll do an episode on it because it's, it's going to be good. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to do. I have a, a question that's back on the topic we were on before. So, what did you think of when I first, like, suggested home birth? thought you were crazy. Did you? No, I'm joking. I'm like, I don't think you did. <laughs> no, I, um, I was open-minded to it, and it wasn't like a shock to me. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I just had to get some things clarified for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I did a pretty good job figuring it out for myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you helped me but I feel like I just kind of like kind of told you I'm not saying no but I need to my biggest thing is I wanted you to be safe yeah then once I realized that you were going to be safe um then I was okay with it what did safe mean to you like once you understood that basically like the midwife will be at the house with every single tool but like a scalpel to a c-section <laughs> or whatever other tools you would need oh safe was just i mean i'm a guy i didn't know that much about birth in the first first place you know yeah and so i was just like i didn't know because you always hear you know of you watch tv you watch a tv on her birth and it's they're rushing her into the hospital and it's screaming and just pain and you always hear people saying, oh, I need an epidermal now. Give me it now. Or or I always heard stories of people saying, yeah, I was going to do natural, but I just couldn't do it mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And so I'm like thinking like, what if you're just in the house, just, you know, in misery? And also I was like, what if 
you just, you think you want this and we pay all this money for it. And then you're like, take me to the hospital. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind paying for it, but I know you and I know you would, that would weigh on you. Yeah. If you, cause you'd feel like you let us down and. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, I just did my research, figured it out. I didn't tell you no. You just gotta keep an open mind, I think. With everything, when someone, when your, your spouse comes to you and says, you know, I wanna do this, mm-hmm. you shouldn't just know. You gotta look into it. Yeah. You may just, I mean, you can, I feel like it's okay to tell you, I don't know. I'm gonna look into it and then I'll get back to you. Yeah. Um, my last question was, um, just is there anything like interesting that about you that you think anyone like wouldn't guess you know it's like unusual unusual about me yeah i try to write unusual down but i can't figure out how to spell it <laughs> is that the unusual thing about you yeah i can't I spell to save my life anything unusual i don't know i'm a fairly usual person honestly um, I really don't know. This is a good question. Um, I would I would say I know something that people probably wouldn't guess about you. Go ahead. It was that you're basically a firefighter and yeah. EMT and all that stuff. Well, that's actually true. I honestly would like I mean at this rate I would pass no I'm not I would but if it was like the fire academy pass trying to pass to become a firefighter well I would pass and probably I don't even know what the test is called EMD test doesn't sound right but I'd probably pass that and yeah no that is something that like when I tell people people always are like really I'm like yeah that is the path that I was that I chose for a while was that I wanted to be a firefighter and specifically wildland but yeah I mean there's I guess clearly a reason that I didn't choose that path because we wouldn't be married or have these children or we'll be living the life that we're living right now yeah so one thing I find kind of funny about that is when we moved here I basically worked kind of, I worked with the wildland firefighters, basically um, pre-clearing land so that if a fire did happen, that it wouldn't just blow through and save houses, basically, so they could actually try to stop the fire. Yeah. That was the whole purpose of our job. And... It was kind of like what you wanted to be and what I was trying to get away from being. Like, I grew up in a logging town, a logging family. And I was yeah. like, I'm not going to be a logging. I'm not going to be a logger and none of this stuff. And then we moved to South Dakota and then I'm cutting down trees, <laughs> falling trees. Yeah. I thought that was kind of ironic when we moved here. It's like what you wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. And that's yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. Similar. I mean, it, it, it's hand in hand 
Um, I feel like, I mean, I didn't have a good answer, but that's definitely, like, a good answer of mine. How about you? Oh. Uh, I... I was in the army, I guess. That's what I was going to say, because you're very, like, like, quiet about it, in a sense. Like, you don't walk around and tell people that. The yeah. most that you have now is your veteran on your South Dakota driver's license. And yeah. and even that, I was like, I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure if I want to do that. I know. It was only until, like, the day of that you are going, you're like, oh, I'll do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's definitely what I would think of you. Like, I mean... If you told someone, I served in the army for just under five years, and people would be like, what? I, I think they'd be actually surprised. Because it's not like something that you're flaunting, in a sense. I feel like it's just a, a lot of people, you're not going to hear them say that they were. I mean, I did deploy and everything, but when you hear about the people that, you know, in the early 2000s that were going to Afghanistan, Iraq, you got still have Vietnam um, vets, Desert mm-hmm. Storm vets, and all that stuff, you feel Whoops. like you, like a poser, almost, because you're like, they're, I'm not the same as them, you know, they went through hell. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't fun when I was over there, but it wasn't in the early 2000, you know, we weren't getting attacked every day, and, you know, shot at, and it wasn't, as, I wasn't. I'm not them. So it's like, if you write, if you have veteran, that's what people think of. They think of the movie and you're like, well, that wasn't me. I wasn't, you know, this, this cool guy, you know, shooting people and stuff. And so you're like, yeah, you just feel like a poser almost, I would say. Yeah, I know. Especially, I mean, like when we say, oh yeah, you're medically retired and people are like, huh? Well, your life was actually ruined in the army. Yeah. Not just, oh yeah, I served. Yeah. So, my last question is, what is the skill that you think everyone should learn? Skill. Oh, that is really easy for me. Yeah. Problem solving. Yeah. If you can solve problems, you can do anything. I mean, to me, that's the biggest key in success. I mean, you look at anyone that is above you, all they're doing all day is solving problems. People get paid more to figure out how to solve problems than to solve the problems. Mm -hmm. It's how. You figure out how to solve problems, you're going to make it. And that goes with homesteading. I mean, that's all you're doing is trying to fix problems or fix problems before they happen. I mean, or if you look at any business, all it is is someone solving a problem. Yeah. What about you? I think that, like, self-sufficiency is a skill everyone should learn. And it doesn't necessarily mean just, like, you have to, like, live off land and have animals and such. But obviously that comes with the word self-sufficiency. But I think... Learning a little bit about every aspect of your life, like heating and cooling yourself and and your family and how to make lots of different foods out of 
like one sort of food, such as like potatoes, you can make french fries, mashed potatoes, um, pan fried potatoes, scalloped potatoes, twice baked potatoes, like think of all the things you could do with a potato, you know? And instead of just going somewhere else and going to the store and buying like a package of mashed potatoes, this one also already made. Even that is a step in self-sufficiency. Like, how easy is it to grow a potato? Pretty easy. So then, there you go. And, I mean, I'm of the mindset of, like, we don't need all of these different professions that we have. Like, yes, there's people who do because they don't understand things. But I think that we are getting to more and more of a place where we are becoming self-sufficient in a lot of areas and just I think everyone should learn some aspect of self-sufficiency and doesn't mean you have to make sourdough and do all these things but like understanding that if there was a time that you had to that you could or you have a good book that you understand oh I could do that and how to start a fire and just all of these different things because we can't just rely on society and rely on the government and rely on all of these people to do it for us. Yeah, I mean, I feel like why we're seeing a different, like a step away from that in society is people are starting to learn more about how to use money to work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, which is great and all, but until you have to do it yourself, until there's no one you can pay to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just also depends on your lifestyle. Like, we like homesteading. I mean, that is due to just how we like to live. Not everyone likes to live like this. I mean, I mean, I re- I like to listen to books. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like if you're going to be, you know, if you're a business guy... You're not gonna wanna pay you're not gonna wanna have be out there hosing off your like pressure washing your driveway when cause your mon- your time is worth more than paying someone to you know I guess it it comes down to if you have more money or you have more time. Yeah. I just I think like just the scenarios, I guess I'm thinking it was like Texas, the beginning of this year? Is that when it was? When they had like, everyone lost all that power and the um, snow and cold and all that? Like people were not prepared. And like, yes, it's not always super cold in all places of Texas, but I think East Texas is pretty cold. And so like, just understanding that it's smart to be prepared no matter where you live. Obviously, we're not going to be preparing for a hurricane here. But, like, you know, just understanding that you should be pre- prepared for all types of situations, I guess, that could happen in your area. Yeah, I mean, it, that reminds me of, like, the it's a Buffett saying. And this goes, like, so, I can't remember exactly word for word, but yeah. it's, like, you can tell who's skinny dipping when the tide goes out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you're saying, you know? Mm-hmm. You can tell who's who's not prepared when... Yeah. Yeah. Or having 
not personally prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is all of our questions. Yeah, this was our first podcast, so give us a little break. <laughs> Very uh, rabbit traily and chatty, but I enjoyed it and. It was a, a good time, even though Mr. Matthias is still not sleeping. So we're going to have to go get this little boy to sleep. Yep, and it'll only get better from here. Yeah. All right, well, the, we're the Harvey Homestead, and we'll catch you guys in another podcast. Yeah, yeah thank you for listening. We'll see you at a later episode.